I, in the sight and miscommunication, I've made sheets as well for the kids. And I'd quite like them to use these ones if they can. Um, so if you've got one of the other sheets, kids, that's great, but why not grab one of those? And what I was going to ask the kids to do, sometimes you guys race through the sheets uh, and you've kind of done them and then you're like, well, Mum, Dad, what do I do now? We'll try and go through the sheets like as we do the talk and I'll try and ask you questions on the way. I'm not sure how well that's going to work, but we're going to try it. And, um, and Phil, actually, would you mind bringing one back? Because I realise I don't want one myself. It would be quite helpful to look at. If you've closed uh, your Bibles, we're in uh, Mark chapter 5. I think in these church Bibles it's on page 1007. Got those? And as we begin, let me ask you a question. Uh, what scares you the most? What scares you the most? In my life, I've done some uh, silly things and some scary things. Uh, once, a long time ago, I jumped out of a plane. I was pretty scared. Um, once I did a bungee jump, and that was also, ooh, don't do that. But probably the thing that always gets me is spiders. And sometimes uh, we find big spiders in our house and I, I have to be the brave one who gets the cup, gets the cup over the spider and carries it out. And we've had some mishaps with those. Uh, what scares you the most? I think as we grow up we tend to stop being scared of uh, particular things and uh, be scared for people or concerned for people, our loved ones. I wonder what scares you. You don't have to name it out loud. But we do face scary things uh, when we're young, as we grow up. And my prayer for us tonight, as we look at this passage, is that we get to know Jesus better, and that we get to realise, just a little bit deeper down, that Jesus is the one we can go to. We often sing about it. And this morning we were singing Jesus Strong and Kind. And Evangeline, our youngest, was shouting out all the tricky words that she could see in the song. But sometimes our, our comprehension of it can be a bit like that, just shouting out the words. And I hope tonight that we just go a little bit deeper in knowing that Jesus really is that strong and that kind. So when the scary things happen and come, and they will, well, we can look to him. We can take it to the Lord in prayer. So let me start with another hand now. Gracious Heavenly Father, please be with us now by your Spirit. And grant me words to help us to see something of your Son tonight. We would see Jesus. We would behold him and know his power and goodness. And we would love him. Please. Take us, change us, and use us for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark chapter 5. And tonight Mark is uh, presenting us with the next piece of evidence about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. If you've been with us over the previous week, we've been working our way through these passages of Mark. And a little bit earlier, we've seen from Jesus that he expects people to respond differently to him. We have the parable of the sower. And some will hear and receive, and some will 
just forget and others will bear much fruit. And I think in these episodes afterwards, Mark is recording events in Jesus' life and the, life, the lives of his disciples and he's presenting us with things that happened to Jesus and the disciples. And we get to see Jesus' response and we also get to see the response of people around him. Last week they were on the lake in the middle of a furious storm and we saw Jesus' response. And now they've come across the lake to the other side. That's the, the lake, the Sea of Galilee. They've come to the east side and Sue said the name of the region well, I'm not sure if we can do that, but Gerasenes, something like that. They've come to the other, the other side of the lake and they're just getting out of the boat. And what they see there well, I think if we had seen it, uh, we would probably be getting back in the boat and trying to row the other way as quick as possible. It's a pretty horrific situation. I'm going to split the passage in two, and our first kind of section runs from verses 1 through to 13. And I've called this the stronger man. The stronger man. This is the account of Jesus and the legion. So... Kids, if you on your sheet you want to fill in Jesus and the and the love is for Legion. Jesus and the Legion. And it's a bit of a spoiler, but I want you to see that Jesus is the stronger man. Jesus is beside the cross. They see this horrific man waiting for them. And let me read from verse 2. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Three quick things about this man. He was unsociable. Unsociable, uh, he didn't really go to parties much. That's not quite what I mean. I mean that he lived away from everyone else. He lived in the caves cut in the rocks at the side of the lake, I think. And those caves were where they put the dead people. And he lived among the dead people. Away from everyone else. Unsociable. Secondly, he was unstoppable. You see, he's so strong that even when people tried to, probably for his own good, get chains and bind him and just stop him hurting, they couldn't do it. He can literally tear the chains apart. Metal chains. And he breaks the irons. Those are the kind of things that are put around your feet in the old days, like metal to hold you in place. He can break them on his feet. And in that sense, he's unstoppable. But thirdly, he's inconsolable. Do you see that in verse 5? Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Because for all his strength, he can't free himself from his torment. He's in a restless anguish. And he's crying out and he's cutting himself 
are his attempts to kind of relieve what he feels inside. It's a terrible picture. And it must be horrific to see. And why is he in this state? Why does he have this scary strength and terrible anguish? Well, because something is possessing him, controlling him. We're told that either side of the description of the man. So, kids, uh, if you have a look at verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit. And then again in verse 6, we're going to see, 6, 7, we'll come to that in a moment. He has an evil spirit, it says. The Bible makes plain that the material world, that's the things that we can physically touch and see, is not all there is. It says there are creatures that exist that we cannot see. And it says that some of those creatures are against God, against his people, against his purposes, and they are real. And here, in our Bibles, they're described as evil spirits, or unclean spirits, or demons. And, as I said, the Bible makes plain they are really there. And in this case, that man was possessed, that means taken over by that spirit. Can you imagine the disciples' emotions as they saw this man coming towards them? It's a bit like a cross between, have you, well, I hope you haven't seen um, a zombie film, but it's like a zombie, a kind of a scary, undead creature, and the Incredible Hulk racing towards you. And the disciples just want to say, Jesus, let's just get in the boat, let's just go, quick! But he's already there, and he's running at them. And then something shocking and surprising happens. Because this huge hulk, this uncontrollable person, falls to his knees before Jesus. <coughs> and he shouts. And it's the man's voice, but it's the Spirit's words. What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, swear to God that you won't torture me. The man doesn't just have superhuman strength, he has supernatural sight. Because the Spirit knows who he's dealing with. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. And he falls down before Jesus. And we see the full extent of the man's problem when Jesus asks him his name. And again, it's the voice of the Spirit, or my, maybe I'll say spirits now, inside me. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Now kids, a legion was the word the Romans used for a collection of soldiers about 6,000 soldiers. That's not to say that there were 6,000 spirits in this land, but there were many. 
told you I don't like spiders. And every now and then I need to go into the shed, and our shed is not the tidiest shed in the world. It's, it's outside, and bikes are kept in there, so if I have to get the bikes out, I have to go in the shed. And what I really hate is the thought that I'll pick up something like a bike helmet, and underneath there'll be one of those spiders like crawling away. Or even worse, I'll pick something up and there's a nest of them. And I just imagine them all jumping out and crawling up my arm, and I'll be running around and flicking my arm and trying to get out of there. But that's a bit what it's like when Jesus speaks to this man. And we suddenly realise that inside of this man is like this nest of demons. It's a whole army crowded inside him. And it's really, really horrible. But Mark doesn't want us to go away just scared. He wants us to see that Jesus is the stronger man. Because what does this demon army do when it meets Jesus? Well, they fall down at his feet. Not in worship, but pleading with him. Because they have no doubt who is in control. This is not a fight. This is a surrender. Jesus is the stronger man. There is no negotiation. There is pleading. They plead with Jesus so that they can not leave the area. Jesus is the stronger man. And if you remember back to Matthew's talk earlier um, in uh, where we went earlier in Mark's gospel, if you just flick back a page, the teachers of the law were accusing Jesus that Jesus, you can drive out demons because you're in league with the devil, with Satan, like the chief of demons. And Jesus said, Well, that look, that just doesn't make sense. Look back at uh, chapter 3, verse 23. So I can give you a verse reference. But you'll see there, verse 22. The teachers of the Lord came down from Jerusalem and said, He's possessed by Beelzebub. That's another word for him. They're saying, Oh, Jesus, you are possessed by the devil, and that's why you can drive out demons. And Jesus said, That doesn't make any sense. And then he says, This how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand his endless calm. Then, verse 27. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. And what Jesus is saying there is, look, if someone can defeat the demons, then it's because they can control and they are strong enough to conquer the devil. And what Jesus said back in chapter 3, he proves now in chapter 5, as he is in complete control of this legion of demons. Jesus is the stronger man, brothers and sisters. What does that mean for us? Maybe some here are 
uh, seeking. You're looking to find out the things about Jesus and whether they're true. You're wondering about Christian things. And for you, Mark's question to you that he wants you to grapple with and answer is, who is this man? That was the, the question on the lips of the disciples last week. And from tonight, I want you to see that this is no ordinary man. Lots of people would say, Jesus, yeah, great teacher, yeah, he, said some, he said some really nice things, and he, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a read of his uh, words sometime, might, might pay attention to that. But Jesus doesn't give you the option of calling him a good teacher and leaving it at that. This man has power over the demons. He's not just a good teacher. You need to grapple with what you make of this account and what you make of this event. And if you've got questions on that, please do come and ask. We'd love to talk more. I guess uh, for some here in, in the church family, um, talking about uh, these supernatural things is, is pretty scary. And it doesn't fit with what we see around us very much. Uh, but I hope tonight is a comfort for us. Because supernatural things, uh, the spirits, is something that the Bible speaks about as real. And we are to be aware of it. But we are not to be afraid. Because Jesus is the stronger man. There may be things that we encounter in our lifetimes that scare us. But hold on, because Jesus is stronger than these things. He <coughs> will win. He will bring his kingdom. So Jesus is the stronger man, and that's verses 1 to 13. We're going to come to the second half of the verses, 14 to 20. And here, kids, I want you to see that there is a deeper problem. Now, I'm really sorry, kids, I've completely lost track. I was going to ask you questions that we went through. Let me ask some quick questions, see if you've got it. So, where it says the man lived, which one was it? Anyone want to shout out? The man lived, did he live in the tombs or with his family? Thank you, Finn, excellent. The man was good looking or very strong? Very strong. He might have been good looking, but that's, uh, yeah, it tells us he was very strong. The man felt happy or very sad? Very sad, that's right. And the man was being controlled by, come on, aim off the lows, go on, some evil spirits. Like, I think that was still the lows then. And who was in charge? Who was in charge? Well, it was Jesus, yeah? And then. At the bottom it says, so Jesus in control shows us his, and that word beginning with it is identity. Identity, because Mark wants us to know who Jesus is. Alright, that's the first half of the sheet, let's move on. It's a deeper problem. How can there be a deeper problem than a legion of demons? Well, I think Mark is hinting that there is a deeper problem that humanity faces. Something even worse than what happened to this poor man. And we see that as we read the following verses uh, and see Jesus 
meeting the locals. So kids on your sheet, Jesus, and the, the second rule is locals. That's people who live nearby. Because the news of what happened spread quickly. Let me read from verse 14. Those heading the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So the news travels quickly and from far and wide people come to that place to see Jesus. We've seen that on the other side of the lake. People gathering to hear his teaching and stuff like that. And when these people come and they see what has happened, do they throw a party? No, they are deeply disturbed. It's a bit like the reaction we saw last week when the disciples saw the storm still and they said, who is this man? And here we have the locals thinking, who is this man? Because they see the power of Jesus. Perhaps some of them were the ones who tried to hold this man down and chain him. And they felt the power in his body as he wrenched the chains apart. And now he's there, just sitting there, clothed, talking, smiling, and they're terrified. How can Jesus do that? We know what he was like, that nuisance. It's completely out of control. Do you see what he did to the chains? Who is this man? What is he doing on our side of the lake? And then the witnesses gather around and they tell what happened. And suddenly the people begin to plead. They come to a decision. Jesus, please, just get back in your boat. Take your disciples and go. Why is that? Why that sudden pleading and urging for Jesus to go? Well, I think Mark gives us the hint with six little words. It looks like a bit of an afterthought. But... Verse 16. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon possessed man and told about the pigs as well. It's the pigs. You see, we might look at those pigs and think, oh, it's a bit odd. And we might look at Jesus and think, well, he's done this amazing miracle. But when these guys look at the pigs and they look at Jesus, they see a man who has sent their stock off a cliff. The value of their stock has really tumbled. You see, they weren't uh, concerned about the pigs as a kind of animal welfare thing. The pigs were their commodity their uh, livelihood. And I don't know the value of a pig, but let's imagine the pig is worth about 250 quid. That's about half a million pounds in money that's just run off a cliff. And I think that is the lens which they view this situation through. 
If Jesus is willing to exchange all of those pigs for the life of this one man, well, what's going to happen if he gets going in our society? And so they send him away. Please leave, Jesus. You're costing us too much. And I think that is the deeper problem that we're going to see traced through Mark's Gospel. Because Mark is going to tell us that our problem is not just with evil spirits that Jesus can send away with the word. Uh, but the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart, as other people have said. When we get to Mark chapter 7, we can see that. Jesus is saying, it's not outside things that make you unclean, it's what comes from within. The greed that is found in man's heart. And here, Jesus' priorities clash with the priorities of the locals. And they send him away. That is the deeper problem. And brothers and sisters, I, I think that we need to grapple with that deeper problem ourselves. If you're looking into Christian things, I, I guess I can speak from my own experience. I was at university and I started to actually really engage with who Jesus is and whether the claims about him were true. And as I thought about those things, I came to a realisation that the more I figured out that Jesus' claims made sense, the more repulsive he seemed to me in one sense. Because it was very evident that he had a claim on my life that extended beyond an hour on Sunday. If Jesus is king, he is king of everything. If Jesus is your Lord, he is Lord of all of your life and everything you own and everything you want to do. And that is a big claim. And I, I think if you're looking into Christian things, recognise that bias in yourself that actually it's part of you that would wish it were not true that you might hold control for yourself a bit like these people seem to want to do. Send them away. See, even the demons recognised who Jesus was but these people wouldn't name it. They would send them away. Beware of this bias. And for those of us seeking to follow Jesus, I guess it's an ongoing battle to be aware of the temptation to just be possessed by our possessions. Live for our lifestyle. Is Jesus king of all of our lives? Or are there sacred pigs, as it were, that we're holding out? No, Jesus, you can't take that. Can't prioritise that person. That would cost me too much. Brothers and sisters, let's acknowledge Jesus' lordship. And maybe surprisingly as we finish, Jesus um, Jesus was in charge with the with the demons, but with the locals, they tell him to leave and he goes. And I think, well Jesus, that's a bit unkind. Because you know what they really need. Why not stay and persuade? And I think there are two reasons why Jesus isn't unkind here. First, he, he sends what I think is the first missionary of Mark's Gospel. Everywhere else in Israel, he's been telling them, be quiet, don't say, don't speak. His identity is to be kept hidden. But here, Jesus sends uh, the man who was demon-possessed as the one who will tell 
all the blood has done. And so he goes home and tells how much Jesus has done. Another hint, Mark's dropping there, of Jesus' identity. But not just that. Because Jesus goes because he knows that it is even more than his words that are needed. We're not there yet, but we know as we go through Mark's Gospel that Jesus, once his identity is clear, will unveil his mission. It is not just the words of the Son of God that are needed, but it is his blood shed. Because you see, the reason these guys don't understand is, is their greed, but also we've heard from the parable of the sower, the judgment of God. They are blind because of God's judgment. And so what is needed is not just persuasion or a devil to be driven out, but it is for someone to bear their sin. It is for Jesus to become the forsaken, shackled, torn one who will cry out in anguish in the darkness, bearing in his body the punishment for their sin and ours. And it is by that that by God's grace we will receive his spirit dwelling in us. And so we will be strengthened to see the truth about Jesus and live for him no matter what we face. So brothers and sisters, Jesus is the stronger man. And he came to deal with our deepest need. Let's praise him and live for him. Let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, please let our hearts see Jesus for who he is. The one infinitely stronger than any who might oppose us. And the one who loved us so much that he laid himself down for us. We thank you that Jesus is strong and kind. And whatever scares us, whatever we might face, his grace is sufficient. He is enough. Let us hold on to him and live for him this week. Amen. Amen.